0: Everybody, it is time once again for that beautiful moment in our lives that I like to call the Everybody Trades Podcast. Thank you for joining me on this, the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. Isn't this a momentous occasion? Wait, wait, what's that? I'm sorry, my my producer's in my ear right now. What's that? Oh wait, this is the 49th year? This is the 49th anniversary, not the 50th? Oh, well. Anyway, the 49th anniversary of the moon landing. That just doesn't have the same ring to it, does it? Oh, well, I'm still going with it. We're sticking with the topic. You know why? Because I'm not beholden to multiples of 10 or 5. I can celebrate any arbitrary anniversary that I like. You know why? Because I'm a freeborn individual. That's why. So here we go. The moon landing. What's the deal with it? Well, first of all, let's get this out of the way. Yes, I think it actually happened. So, Buzz Aldrin, unfurl your fist, please, and save my jaw. I don't want to fight you. You can probably still kick my ass at 80. I get it. So, Buzz Aldrin, you're cool. We're fine. No conspiracy theories here. However, what I am is an economist. And, or at least a guy who studies the economy and human behavior. But my gigantic question is, Was the moon landing worth it? Because as we know, the moon landing cost billions of dollars, clearly, that were taken from the taxpayers. And of course, you have to then ask, well, what what was the point of the moon landing? What did we get from it? And then we have to ask, what did it cost? Not only in terms of actual dollars and cents, but here's the really important part. What was the opportunity cost of the moon landing? What was the unseen cost of all the dollars and resources and man hours and brain power that was used on this particular endeavor? I would ask the same question of the Hubble telescope as well. Now, just like the moon landing, I'm astonished by the accomplishment. The scientists at NASA who pulled off the moon landing and the astronauts themselves I'm never going to stop tipping my cap to them because that's something I could never do. And I, I couldn't be more impressed. Like the idea of launching something into space and getting it thousands or millions of miles away, like launching a probe, for instance, that's going to reach Saturn, That that's incomprehensible to my relatively feeble brain. So I'm not trying to put these guys down. But what I am going to wonder is, those billions of dollars that we spent on Hubble and the moon landing, for as impressive as those shots that we get back from Hubble are, how, do, how can we possibly calculate the cost of that? I don't think we can. And to me, this is where, once again, we get into a moral hazard problem of the people who do not bear the costs of the actions are, in fact, the actors, Put another way, the people who are deciding to go into space don't have to put their own skin in the game. Now, they may be putting their reputations on the line. They may be putting their jobs on the line. What they're not doing is putting their own wealth on the line in terms of actual of the actual material and what the cost that it takes to pay man hours in the NASA space program. For instance, if Elon Musk... If he were 100% self-funded and or voluntarily funded, if he were to, say, send something to Mars, then it is worth it to him, based on his subjective values, and people should be able to launch whatever they want in that case, as long as you're not violating somebody's property by, like, I don't know, the backfire of a rocket maybe lights their cornfield on fire. Okay, that's a problem. Saving that, saving something like that, or bothering them with the gigantic noise problem, I'm sure this is something Elon is taking care of. My point is, if Elon wants to take the risk, that's fine. Just like business owners are allowed to take the risk by, on a much smaller level, opening up a restaurant with their own wealth. Something like that. The point is, what we don't do is put all of our money into a forced collective pot called RASA, the restaurant department of the government, and try to make, have the smartest people, the best chefs in the world, centrally make the best food in the world. Why don't we do that? If we use the logic of NASA, we should be. I guess it's, for some reason, we've decided that food production is something that the market takes care of perfectly. Even though it's the most important thing we do, I'm actually pointing out that the market is a great purveyor of of food. It does a great job of ending starvation, of providing plenty. This whole thing about the moon landing and Hubble get back gets back to the idea of what is seen and what is unseen. Of course, it's easy to see the pictures, the incredible images that we get back from Hubble, and it's easy to see... Neil Armstrong swinging a golf club on top of the moon. But what we don't see is all of the things that would have been created had none of that actually happened. I would ask you, where would the country be if, if John F. Kennedy had never made a giant proclamation about putting a man on the moon? Let's say we never really went to space. That doesn't mean that humanity wouldn't have went to space. It just means the United States government wouldn't have went to space. Of course, this is all hypothetical because, again, that's the problem with the scene. We can't see it, (laughs) to put it in the most basic terms I can. But whether we know what would have happened or not, the opportunity cost is very much obviously there. It can't be denied. We can see it quite easily in terms of analysis, even if we can't see the actual results of what might have been. We must always keep in mind opportunity cost in any aspect of our lives. In any decision that we all make, opportunity cost is going to be a big part of it and that is the unseen side effects of any decision that we make. And ultimately, if what we're deciding is what to do with other people's wealth, it's going to be much more difficult to see the unseen. Moving to things that happened less than 49 years ago. This week, the president had some comments on his own recently appointed Federal Reserve chairman and his take on interest rates. Let's see what Z Donald had to say. I put a very good man in the Fed. I don't necessarily agree with it because he's raising interest rates. I'm not saying that I agree with it, and I don't necessarily agree with it. I must tell you, I don't. I'm not thrilled, but at the same time, I'm letting them do what they feel is best. I'm just saying the same thing that I would have said as a private citizen. So somebody would say, oh, maybe you shouldn't say that as a president. I couldn't care less what they say. I don't like all of this work that we're putting into the economy. And then I see rates going up. Well, what's interesting here is candidate Trump during the election was often talking about the sort of bubble nature of what he thought was uh, the stock market expansion under Barack Obama's presidency. And now it seems that... I don't think actually Trump is being inconsistent here. He's actually pointing out that, hey, uh, I'd like... And what he's saying is, is I actually kind of like this bubble. <laughs> That's what he's saying. Let's keep it going. Not that everything that, that has happened under Trump has been all nonsense as far as a, a bubble goes, a, a continued expansion of the economic bubble goes, but... That is certainly a factor. What what Trump is afraid of here is that his own Fed-appointed chairman here is going to rise interest rates too quickly and cause a recession. Of course, if you've watched my video series, The Foundation, on YouTube, and if you haven't, please do, the thing is, you know where I sit with this stuff. The idea of the Federal Reserve setting interest rates And setting the money supply is one of the most absurd notions that has ever been put forth in modern America. Once again, like with Hubble and like with the moon landing, what we have here is a gigantic knowledge problem. If I'm lending out my money for whatever reason, or I'm borrowing money for whatever reason, how can can anyone possibly say what my interest rate should be? You don't know the person that I'm lending to or borrowing from as well as I do. You don't know my level of risk or the other person's level of risk. You don't know what's going, what level of interest is going to make it worth it for both parties to come to an agreement. And by the way, transaction to transaction to transaction, that's clearly going to be different every single time. It's never going to be the same all across the board. So therefore, the entire premise is absurd. And what we need to do is not worry about, oh, is the central authority going to raise rates too high or not raise them quickly enough? Should they do this? Should they do that? We need to allow markets, in other words, people like you and me, to be able to choose amongst ourselves and amongst other entities like banks, whatever it might be, we get the choice. Because guess what? Every loan is different. And Wall Street Strategies' Charles Payne, in his newsletter this morning, see, Charles and I actually disagree on tariffs and the trade war right now, but he actually had an outstanding comment that I haven't heard anywhere else. And that is this, in terms of the Federal Reserve and its policy on interest rates. Charles says, this notion, the notion being that why does the Fed even exist in the first place? This notion doesn't seem far-fetched to those that wonder why interest rates are always adjusted lower when the banks are in trouble, but higher when Main Street starts getting pay raises. In other words, as some people expected from the beginning, it sure seems like the Federal Reserve mostly exists to prop up the wealthy. And whether that was the intended feature or not, it's certainly been the result. Anytime there's more money printed out of thin air, clearly this makes the savings, people who save dollars in their bank account, that makes their savings and their wages relatively less valuable. That's obvious to anyone who understands supply and demand. It's simple economics, son. I don't understand it at all. But... God, I love it. The most wealthy people, however, can avoid this problem because they are more easily able to convert their paper money into hard assets and things that are likely to retain and likely to even expand their value in times of monetary inflation. Things like real estate, precious metals, collectibles, classic cars, that sort of thing. Naturally, I don't begrudge anyone who's able to buy a painting and then sell it for a higher price at a later date. But this idea that we need to continually inflate the money supply in order to keep the quote-unquote faith of the economy going is absolute nonsense. And it's frankly nonsense on its face. To me, inflation of the money supply is equivalent to theft of savings and wages. It's certainly a hidden tax that nobody votes on. At the very least, should we as Americans, if we believe in democracy, should we not at least be able to elect the chairman of the Federal Reserve? If we're going to allow these people to control the value of our wages and and savings, shouldn't we at least have the tiniest voice in this process? I mean, I'm not a huge believer in democracy. I think it's more mob rule. But but if you are one of these people that thumps the Bible of democracy, then by golly, this short this sort of thing should matter to you. To me, the proof should be on the state in this case that we need the Federal Reserve, and frankly, in all cases. You see, in criminal court cases, the burden of the proof is always on the state. The defendant is guilty until proven innocent. The state must prove the crime. Similarly, I believe that if the Fed believes in the United States government in concert with the Federal Reserve has decided that it is necessary for them to be in charge of our wages and savings via the supply of the United States dollar and the Fed funds rate, we should have a say in that. The burden of proof should be on the state to prove that to us. It shouldn't just be blindly accepted by all of us Americans that the government should be in charge of the printing press. Because guess what? If you and I took the $20 bills out of our wallet and put them in a photocopier and started handing them around town, we'd be arrested. My question is, what special knowledge Do these people in the Federal Reserve think that they have? Once again, if this doesn't make sense to you, please watch my video series, The Foundation. And we'll see you next time on the Everybody Trades Podcast.